He tells stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, good morning, Macca. How are you? Yeah, good. The reason I called Macca, I was listening to the lady talking about the penguin, putting it in a, a bit of a, a different perspective as a farmer. I, you know, I think the lady mentioned it was costing about five hundred dollars a week to feed the penguins, and they're running out of money. And I'm thinking, well, as a farmer, you don't get any assistance. You know, at the moment we spend a thousand dollars a day feeding our cattle, and talking about dogs, and I was thinking, well, we have dogs come through daily, weekly, and we lost some sheep yesterday. You know, fencing is expensive, so I actually wish the national park and the conservation areas wouldn't fence the dogs in and keep them on their side of the fence because uh, <laughs> then we wouldn't have to be worrying about them on our side of the fence. Exactly, Johnny. I spoke to a bloke driving hay the other day. I said, how much was the hay on here? She said, oh, about $20,000 worth of hay. And depending how many cattle you got, but that lasts about a month. Well, that's a bit right. If you add that up, it's a lot of money, isn't it? I mean, how do you keep that going? It looks like it won't be a good year this year. And believe everyone else, it probably looks like another, maybe possibly two years. We just hope that the darling bounds, you do get isolated storms. You've just got to be one of the lucky ones to be sitting under that cloud when it comes over. I can't say that I know anyone that says, yeah, they're having a great time. No one complains about it. They just get on with it. The hay carters here probably the busiest people I know of. They're making good money, but they're non-stop cutting hay and feed's getting scarce. I went to a friend's birthday party not long ago and I I bought him a bottle of $400 rum, a bit expensive, but he said, geez, that's expensive. And I said, well, not really. It's uh, less than four bales of hay. If you're rich, well, you ain't got a cracker. They tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. I will. Good morning and welcome to this program. Uh, we need rain, as everybody knows. We need rain wherever you are. Rain, mud, there's money in mud, but um, it's just uh, terribly, horribly dry around a place. And that was just uh, John from uh, On the Darling Downs, which is was once called the Food Bowl of Australia, but uh, at the moment it's, no, it's the Dust Bowl, like lots of places are. Good morning on the program this morning. Lots of interesting people, um, lots of emails, like this one from Kerry. Is it Karen and Kerry, Clayton? And they sent me a picture of a little uh, kangaroo, might be a euro or something. The fire-ravaged Uragir National Park between Broomshead and Angari on northern New South Wales. And once the threat had gone, we walked up a great cliff and found this little fellow looking a bit bewildered, a little euro, I think, or a little kangaroo. He and a great mob of his mates were grazing on some of the short grass that was left after the fires, the savage fires. Uh, and this from this is on Facebook from Jill Gurdam. She's is it from Jill? No, it's not from Jill. Doesn't say. Um, beautiful sunrise on Mount Hotham earlier this week with the snow. Isn't it beautiful when you see those mountains? And and this uh, the morning rail commute from Longreach to Brisbane. And there's a picture of four wonderful. Uh, look at them. Aren't they beautiful? Jabber, are they Jabberoos? Morning rail commute uh, from Longreach to, to Brisbane. Brogas, they are. They look like a bit like Jabberoos. A conga line of Brogas. Beautiful. Uh, Bob Matthews says, Hi, Macker. I'm with, I am with 28 descendants of the Gulf Force, 2nd 21st Division, that left to uh, was sent to Ambon, Indonesia, in 1942 in the hopeless task of halting the Japanese advance. Of the 1,100 troops sent to defend the island of Ambon, 300 came home. 
Apart from remembering our young men who didn't come home, Gulf Force now expresses our appreciation of the risks taken by the local inhabitants to feed these boys by providing donations to schools, hospitals and orphanages in Ambon, a special group of Aussies repaying a debt. So they must be over there. When was that? Friday the 13th? That's um, sent on Friday. 28 descendants of Gulf Force, they're over there in Ambon. And Norma Murphy, Norma O'Hara Murphy says, Macca, how are you going? We're still surviving here in the Queensland bush. Not sure how really, no rain, it's forgotten how. No water, now fires are breaking out, hopefully not here, but we soldier on, mate, irregardless, and I certainly hope that you can consider joining us next year for the Boney Mountain Folk Festival. When's that? That's next week, isn't it? Boney Mountain, I think. The, the, yeah, I think that's Norma, and people turn up to Boney Mountain, sing songs, and... Um, it must be our turn to have you here, Maka. You will love Boney Mountain if it ever rains again. This is our ninth year and still the crowds keep coming back, so I figure we must be doing something right. We have a real mix here. Celtic country folk, bluegrass, songwriters, Celtic dancers, ukulele school, even a blacksmith shop this year, and planning an art gallery. We have a fairy forest, a big sand pit for me to play in. Thanks very much, Norma, and so much more. Um, okay, yeah. Well, I'll come, I'll come sometime if you sing... Julia Creek, it's my favourite song to hear Norma sing, Julia Creek, Julia Creek. Our number this morning is 1300 700 uh, Lots of people for you to meet and I'd like to talk to you. I don't know what we do about water. We should have saved some of that water, shouldn't we? Anyway, we say that every year. A dam or two will be fine. Uh, g'day, this is Macca. Yeah, g'day, Macca. This is Tony Ayling calling you from Hideaway Bay where it's <laughs> Beautiful but very dry. I was talking to a young bloke last night. Um, I was having a cup of coffee. I went uh, um, and read a few things last night at a, at a school. And um, anyway, on the way home, I stopped and had a cup of coffee. And there's a young bloke. And I said, what are you doing? Because, you know, you're waiting tables and stuff like that. The young He said, I'm doing marine science. Um, so and I, and I started, I told him I knew you. Um, he didn't know you, but I told him about you. And he says, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to go snorkeling all around all around Australia. <laughs> so he's he's doing marine science. So I, I assume that sort of yeah he might end up doing um, being a correspondent of the program in twenty years time, Tony. There you go. So what are you up to, Very Tony? Very good. Oh, Macca, we're just back from two wonderful weeks in uh, Papua New Guinea in the Conflict Islands, which uh, it's an atoll in the Louisiade Archipelago, which is off Millen Bay on the sort of eastern tip of PNG. Oh, wow. We just had a call this morning from, um, uh, what was the name? Um, Janetta in Port Moresby. She's living on a yacht. It's the 44th Independence Day week they're having over there. And crowds of everything, big crowds, canoes. Oh, it's a big, big time, a big time in the old town of Port Moresby this week. But anyway, so you were in the Conflict Islands. Yes, it's a strange thing. It's an atoll that is privately owned by an Australian entrepreneur, Ian Gower-Smith, who actually lives in London, but he owns the Conflict Islands freehold through some strange quirk of fate. Uh huh. And the whole area there, Macca, um, like most of New Guinea and the Solomon Islands, has experienced a massive... Um, population explosion in the last 30 or 40 years. Their population has quadrupled in a very short time. 
And most of the, well, a huge proportion of the people are sort of young kids under 15 years of age. So that they've got big problems with um, with employment because a lot of it's still subsistence, but of course they are getting into the modern world. A lot of them now have smartphones. They've got to pay for their data. They're big on Facebook, and uh, that's a really big force now, Facebook in New Guinea, apparently. Uh-huh. Uh, and the owner of the islands is um, trying to provide employment by by um, utilising as, as many of the nationals as he can to run uh, tours from cruise ships. So he's employing as many as he can to do that. He's he's also um, got an initiative where he's uh, turned the islands into a reserve as well as he can, trying to keep people from uh, fishing it and taking turtles and so on, and encourage. Got a program there, research program there on turtles that he's funding to uh, try and improved the survivorship of the turtles there. So it's, uh, it was a very interesting couple of weeks out there. Sounds wonderful. How did you get the name Conflict Islands? Do you know? No, I, it, I think it was actually named after... Yeah, that's right. It was named after the ship that uh, discovered it, in inverted commas, uh-huh. uh, which was the HMS Conflict. And so... They- <laughs> that, that's what it was named for. That's so like, we were actually up there on a sort of a holiday, Ian, which was sort of unusual for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking about PNG last night because <coughs> Greg Mortimer, um, I bumped into him a couple of weeks ago and he'd just been up there, um, um, you know, travelling around, flying up there and uh, he'd been up the Fly River and... And when you rang, I thought, "Oh, Tony's been snorkeling in the Fly River." I can just, <laughs> I can just see, because that's really. Uh, I mean, it's it's not a last frontier because, as you say, like there's population explosions and all sorts of things are happening in PNG, and they have budgets and they're in debt and all that sort of stuff. But, but I just think it's sort of like a last frontier, isn't it? PNG in lots of ways, um, st- parts parts of it anyway. And the Fly River just fascinates me. It's a, it's a mighty river. It's it's sort of like the Amazon, not in size, but it's it's a wild sort of a river, isn't it? The Fly. That's for sure. Well, we were a long way from a river. The uh, Conflict Island Atoll is just so beautiful. It's um, very blue water, clear water. The reefs are totally amazing. The coral cover is incredible, and there's uh, lots of fish. And we went. It might have been a holiday, but we went diving every day and uh, had a fantastic time. We, I was actually there supporting uh, the Coral Sea Foundation, which is run by a friend of ours from Magnetic Island. And they have got an initiative where they're training uh, Melanesian women to scuba dive and snorkel so that they can monitor and look after reserves that are being established uh, to preserve their marine life up there. What a good idea. Good on you, Tony. Great to talk, mate.
Yeah, right. Thanks, Macca. Good on See you. See you later. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. Hello, Macca. Yep. It's uh, Hetty Party here. Oh, hello, Hetty. I met you last night. That's right. I'm just ringing back to say thank you for a wonderful evening. It was a very well-balanced program, and uh, between the music and the, the recitals and, and you talking and Margaret talking, I think it covered a, a lot of ground, and it was well, uh, an exceptionally good night. I'm so, I'm so glad to be able to meet you and your wife. It was lovely. Yeah. Um, face-to-face. I'll just explain to people what it was. It was just a, a little reading at a, a school called um, PLC, Pim, Pimble Ladies College. It's a lovely school. I, as I said last night, makes me want to go back to school again. If you go to a school like that, it's just fantastic. But um, uh, Margaret, who was here last week, Margaret uh, Harrison, uh, had some pieces and she read some and I read a few and um, and we had some music there. Um, we had some music like playing um, with um, saxophone and clarinet. Mark, um, um, I've got his last name. It doesn't matter. Um, but Mark Walton playing playing clarinet and saxophone and things like that. And it was just lovely juxtaposition. And I think it just made, rather than just sitting and reading, the music Mark played uh, after every little piece, he had a little... A little aria, really, uh, about each each um, each piece. Some were about the drought. Some were about going to boarding school. Some were about having a stroke and stuff like that. And it was just a really nice evening, uh, Hetty, wasn't yes. it? Yes, it was very good. Uh, I hope perhaps you could uh, read "Broken" on the radio at some stage because that was a really moving uh, poem. And you know, we've been talking about the drought that much, and. Uh, uh, it really summed it up very well. I mean, I had tears in my eyes when you were reading that, and I'm sure a lot of other people uh, in the chapel did as well. Hetty, um, just, just tell me this. You're, you're just back from WA. Um, <laughs> Hetty came up and said day last night, ladies and gentlemen. She had a little plastic packet full of gold nuggets. When I say they're, they're only little tiny ones, but yeah, when you see a gold nugget, as my little mate used to say in Western Australia, um, he'd show me this girl and he said, Ian, I picked these little gold nuggets and, and I realised that this little nugget's been lying there for thousands and thousands of years. Um, so it's really... Um, but you've obviously got the gold bug, Hetty. It's, uh, it's not good, you know, to have that. Oh, it is. Um, <laughs> I've got Parkinson's and I'm a 71-year-old grandmother and, and I get out there and I swing the detector around and uh, <laughs> it, it's good to get out there and exercise and do things. And that's what, I want to reinforce what Margaret was saying with her stroke as well, you know, because the Parkinson's are a bit similar with the stroke. Uh, You've just got to get up and get out there and do it. And, uh, yes, we have caught the buggers. As you said, that's... <laughs> When you uh, see that bit of gold in the ground, it's it's not so much the value of the gold. It's you know thinking that you're the first person who's seen this uh, and has been yeah. there for millions of years. Yes, but the exactly. rocks in WA are fantastic too. It's not only the gold. I just love standing in that environment with a 360 degree view of sky and just land and no one else. And it's it's just a fantastic place to go. We've we've been over 12 times now across the Nullarbor, and we did Central Road one year, mainly the Nullarbor, and uh, the West coast is just so different to the east coast and uh, and, I mean uh, we're talking about uh, adversity and and, uh, out of adversity good things happen Um, if I hadn't had Parkinson's I probably wouldn't be over there but uh, because I thought well what am I going to do with the rest of my life when I was diagnosed and uh, we said well let's start travelling in Australia which we did and we went around for 15 months right around the perimeter in a um, with a rooftop tent first, and then we sort of graduated up from a tent to a rooftop tent to a small caravan to a slightly large caravan. But it's just getting out there. It's just a fantastic country. 
and even though, I mean, we're going through a terrible drought at the moment, <coughs> and so many of the farmers are, mm. are suffering out in the in the country. How do you um, tell me? Overall, Australia is just such a wonderful place to see. Oh, so. I think we should see our own country uh, in a lot more detail, and a lot of people do. Quickly it's tell good. me this, Hedy. What what are you doing for your Parkinson's? Are you taking something? Does that uh, ameliorate what uh, your affliction? Yes, I was diagnosed in 2001, and I'm on a system called Duodopa, which is a pump system, which I've got a tube going into my stomach, and I have to put a new cassette on every day, so it's all a bit complicated, but um, it keeps the continuous flow of medication going to me. I have my ups and downs, I have good days and bad days, but um, it's working, and the main thing is you've got to get up and move and exercise. Once you sit down in that seat and don't move, then you're in trouble, so it's hard work, as Mark would said as well, there were a lot of parallels in what she was saying and I also belong to a, a choir on Fridays which is mainly for stroke victims called the Upbeat Choir and uh, that's for our, our voice you. production as well. So you are talking about music yesterday too and how important music is. Music's fantastic for Parkinson's. If you get up and dance, you get up and sing, um, that really helps you a tremendous amount. And uh, you know, I encourage all people who've got Parkinson's to just get up and stand and try and keep, keep moving. But as I said, the our incentive is uh, going to West Australia and, and looking at for the gold, which is. I'm coming. People, I'm people coming with we, you. I'm coming with you next time you go there, um, Hetty. I'm coming with you. Yes, well, we've got a very good club in Sydney called um, the Prospectors Home Club, which meets at Parramatta um, on the first Tuesday of the month, and they're a wonderful p- group of people. And with a common interest, you know, we we've got lots to talk about. Yeah, they've all got gold fever, Hetty. They've all got gold fever. That's the trouble with them. Yes, well, it does. It does touch you. But, uh, Nancy Nancy Cato rang me one morning years ago before she passed away. You know, all the rivers run, and she's a lovely yeah. author, and she wrote a lovely book about Noosa. And she she told me the story of her grandfather. She said he had he just shot through one day. He just shot through and left the family, and he went to California, and he went there, and then he went to Western Australia, and. She said he he had gold fever, so you've probably got that too, Hetty, as well as yes, Parkinson's. But it, it gives you an opportunity <laughs> to travel around Australia. We did yeah. far north Queensland last year around Georgetown and Forsyth, and very different to WA. Uh, so it's not just WA, but once you've found a nugget, it's very hard to get back to panning. <laughs> Panning's a bit, bit, too, a bit too tiny, the particles in the pan. Good on but, you, Hetty. Uh, I've got to fly, darling, but nice to talk to you. It was lovely yes, to lovely meet to, you. Lovely to meet you last night, and you know, you've got a fantastic program, and so many people really rely on Sunday mornings to listen to you because well, you Well, you know why they rely on Sunday Australia. morning? They rely on Sunday morning because people like you ring, Hetty. Good on you. Nice to talk to you. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Janetta's in Port Moresby. Good morning, Janetta. Hello, Macca. How are you? I'm good, thank you. That's good. What's happening? What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, this is the most exciting time in Papua New Guinea where it's our 44th. Uh, anniversary of independence from Australia, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 16th of September. And I was just sitting here lying in bed thinking of all the thousands of Australians who've contributed to what Papua New Guinea is today. And I was just thinking of them and just wish they were here to see the excitement in Port Moresby with all the dancing and the singing and the special festivals everywhere over Papua New Guinea. To drive around Port Moresby, the whole town is a city of Papua New Guinea flags. <laughs> We've got two on our car. And, uh, I've got my daughter up here. She was born here in Moresby mm. <clears throat> well, a few years ago, like nearly 50. Um, 
and she's up here with a girlfriend, uh, and we've been driving around, and yesterday we went to the nature park and saw all the animals and orchids, and uh, we uh, went to the markets and bought heaps of wonderful so it's it's a big so you said the 16th that's tomorrow isn't it the 16th today's the 15th is that right monday monday yeah Mm. yeah so so it's been a big weekend it's a big weekend or a big week i suppose yeah and it goes for another week it ends with the hiri moali festival when we have these ocean going canoes sailing to moresby uh, to commemorate the uh well it's a trading link that Probably started maybe in Hawaii, but every every little area has this trading link, and they trade these special shells and necklaces. What a sight! What a sight to see, Janetta. I'm just trying to imagine it. Um, oh, I wish you were here. I <laughs> oh, so do I. Fair, wouldn't, yeah. it, wouldn't it be great? Because you've got great links, Janetta. What finds you in Moresby? Oh well, I came up here fifty odd years ago. How come? As a teacher. All as right. a teacher, yeah, and then I got married to my husband, who operated light aircraft all over Papua New Guinea, Douglas Airways, and oh, this is nearly our commemoration of winning the London to Sydney Air Race in nineteen forty-nine. So, oh, sorry, Mike, I had a stroke a few years ago, and I'm not good with numbers, but uh, right, uh, <laughs> uh, it was a London to Sydney Air Race, Anna. Seven, seventy-seven. Uh huh. Is that right? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, that that'll do. Um, as I say, I've got what, good numbers. What sort of plane were you flying? Oh, we had Alpha Tango Zulu. One was uh, Britain Norman Islander. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Ten place aircraft. We bought. We we beat all the uh, entries from America and all around the world, and, How good and we is that? got into Adelaide. <laughs> So you you live yeah. you live in Moresby now? Yes, on a on a boat at the yacht club. Wow, <laughs> how good is that? So no wonder you can see all the canoes. And so when do the canoes come in? Oh, we've got canoe races going at the moment. They're called Vanagis. They're the old fishing boats with a single mask and a, a rectangular shaped sail. Yeah. But the Lakatoi, they're sixty foot long and they're built on um, half a dozen. Uh, logs, and they have two masts and a wow. huge crab uh, claw shaped sails woven out of mats. Now, Jeanette, yeah, I, I was just talking to Greg Mortimer, actually, a, a, an Australian explorer and an adventurer. Um, and he's been, he's just been up to Moresby, he went up the Fly River because he flies, he flies, he flew his little plane up there. But, but you hear stories from time to time about New Guinea, especially about Moresby and, and danger and stuff like that. How is it, how do you, um, you know, um, stop uh, getting in harm's way living on your yacht? Well, uh, common sense, really. <laughs> you uh, don't have showy jewelry on you and you, um, carry very little money, um, and you just keep alert. Yeah. But I've, I've lived with this so long, and, and I've never had nothing but anything but kindness from the Papua New Guinea people. Uh-huh. They're a fun-loving, very Christian community. There's always bad eggs everywhere, but yeah. um, in Moresby, it's 
It's a very peaceful place. Today we're going up to the Vimana War Cemetery and up to Sigiri and oh, we're calling it the Orchid Garden, which Justin Schenko established we, here. We should do a program in, in. I've said it for ages, but we should do a program in in New Guinea. And um, you keep saying that. Yeah, yeah I know. Well, well, last time I rang you was about the CWA, the, all the help we get from them. Yes. And you said, oh, I'd love to come up. But well, just well, a quick plug. We, we've just unloaded five containers of wheelchairs and and uh, crutches and school books and all things that have been sent by all the supporters of Papua New Guinea. And I just want to say thank you to all of them. Janetta, it's... Uh, it's uh it's lovely to talk to you this morning. I think um, well, I'm going to try and get up there. If we don't get up there this year, next year. What's the name of the festival that's on at the moment? Has it got a special name, this 44th Independence oh, it's just Day? Independence Day, 16th of September. What do they call it in uh, Pigeon? Happy Independence Day. Oh, that's not Pigeon. <laughs> Happy Independence Day. <laughs> Fun. It really is so much fun. <laughs> oh, well, look, lovely to talk to you, Janetta. You're, you're on your yacht this morning there in, in Moresby, are you? Yeah, my daughter's lying here on a bed. She's fast asleep. I'm trying to wake her up, but no, don't wake her, her up. friend's wandering don't... around. <laughs> don't wake her up. Don't wake her up. Okay. Lovely to talk to you, Janetta. Okay, lovely to talk to you too. But thank you, everybody, for helping Papua New Guinea. Good on you. Bye. Bye. Come and meet this bloke I met at uh, where up Julia Creek. I'm talking to Scott Harrington. I'm in Julia Creek, but Scott, you're of Julia Creek, but you're not in it. You live out of town a bit, don't you? Julia Creek's our town, but we live just on 150 k's north of Julia Creek. We're on our way to Normanton, which is another 300 k's out the other side. Everybody heard about the terrible monsoon and the floods and the water and everything. You were in the middle of that. Probably the biggest knock we've ever had in 80 odd years that we've lived here. But still, we've been supported. Our community is very strong. The government's been good to us, and we're all progressing forward now, I hope. And how's the town doing? Because often the towns get uh, a hammering too, don't they? The town has been very lucky so far. The problem we believe, or a lot of us believe, will be in years to come because it's going to take a long time to recover. And after the emergency rush, things are going to die off a little bit, and that's when it's going to count. Scott, tell me this. Do you see positives from a terrible event like you've just experienced? I suppose there is. Just right at present, I'm struggling to see too many of them, but I suppose management will change to a degree. This event happened very, very quickly. We've been in the industry for a long time, and generally you get a little bit of time to prepare for a big wet season. This came and finished all very, very quickly. Devastating. For a simple example, we had cattle washed away in this flood where we used to consider was safe country for sheep to live in. So, all in all? I believe in a lot of respects. It's brought people together. It's brought the general urban dweller closer to us. And for a long time, a lot of us have been concerned about their feelings towards landholders, graziers and farmers. But the generosity and the giving of those of, of so many of the public has been unbelievable. And myself and a lot of other people... Are, in groups that we've been involved with with recovery can't get over the support that we've got from general public. Scott, good luck and nice to meet you. Thank you. And thank you very much, Macca. And also thank you very much to all the general public that have supported us during these hard times. Good on you, mate. Thank you.
Oh, good day, Matt. Uh, Annie Boyd, your running correspondent, uh, phoning in from the uh, from Sydney Harbour, just above the Opera House. Oh, you're um, at the running your running festival and the half marathon. I've just finished the half marathon, Matt, and yeah. we're just waiting for the marathon runners to finish. So it's all happening down here. People everywhere, all over the world. It's a hub of excitement. Half. Yeah. That's not fair. You're 73, and you've just done a half. How far? What's that? 20 k's. 21.1. Oh, God. Don't forget the 100. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's often the hardest part of the race. <laughs> oh, but how'd you go? Did you uh, satisfy your um, your own standards? Yeah, I was very, very happy, Macca. I was using this as a, as a, a warm-up for the Melbourne Marathon in three weeks' time. So I wanted to finish round about the two-and-a-half hours mark because I've got a dream of doing a sub-five-hour marathon. And I got, came in on two hours and 28 minutes, so I'm very happy with that. You're a champion. I don't. You wouldn't have heard the program this morning. Listen to the listen to the podcast during the week. There's a lady called Hetty Party who I met last night. Um, yeah. And uh, she's got um, she's got Parkinson's, but um, yeah, she's uh, she's like you. She's a she's a doer. But um, and uh, it's uh, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? To um, I would love to be. I was thinking, you know, of getting down there to the start of that marathon and and just talking to people because people who run are obsessed, a bit like you, for all sorts of reasons, and they're all sorts of people. They're just interesting people who, I mean, I wouldn't do it. I, I well, I couldn't do it. I don't think I haven't got the knees for it. But but by gee, you're inspiring, you know, Anne. You know something, Matt? Your knees actually get stronger. Um, I started with dicey knees, and my knees are a lot stronger now than when I began. Um, which, as you know, is only six years ago, and. So, uh, yeah, it's never too late, mate. No. The, the secret is don't try and run fast. You've got to put in some walk breaks, and then you get to the finish, and you're, you're a happy camper, and you've had a lovely time out there. I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful morning here in Sydney. I don't know. You're not in Sydney at the moment, are you? Yeah, I am. Oh, yeah. Well, it's absolutely beautiful out here. You, you couldn't wish for a better day. And it's a lovely course. It goes all hugs the harbour, a lot of it. Um, runs up into Hyde Park, along Macquarie Street, where you get the whole history of Sydney sort of laid out before you. It is just a stunning course, beautiful, beautiful. And if you don't go too fast, you get a chance to take it all in and have a bit of a chat. As you say, there's so many interesting people oh, out yeah. here running for all different causes, you know, some running to end cancer, some running for Parkinson's or... It's a fantastic way to raise funds for things too. So it's, it's a win-win-win. Yeah, and it becomes uh, like like gold. We're talking to a, la- a, a lady um, again, the same lady, Hetty Putty, who goes. She's got Alzheimer's, not Alzheimer's. She's got Parkinson's, but she goes um, um, prospecting for gold. And we were talking about gold fever because you get a, a bit of that, and and running's a bit like that. It becomes an obsession, but it's a really to me, unless you, it's a really good obsession because everybody well, talks an about. And, and and she's talking about her Parkinson. She said, you can't just sit in a seat, Macca. You've got to get up and do something and get out exactly. and get around. And Kuana. so, oh, yeah, go heady. I yeah. look forward to listening to that. Yeah, um, and, uh, well, you, you should meet because she's, a, she's a, a great gal just like you, Anne. Um, and uh, so it's uh, you're waiting for the others to finish. Yeah, well, I'm waiting for the marathon coming. Now, I might wander back to Piermont and give the slow ones a bit of encouragement <laughs> coming through, uh, through Piermont because I live there. And, and they, they get pretty exhausted. By the time they get to Piermont, the old people, um, they've done 32, when I say old people, my age group, um, they've done about 32 Ks. They're, they're very tired. And any encouragement they get is really welcome. So, uh, yeah, I might go along, get back there and cheer, cheer them along.
because the problem with Sydney, we've got to get Sydney uh, more excited about its marathon. Every other marathon around the world that I've run in so far, people really come out and support their marathon runners. In Sydney, the marathon, the half is okay, but the marathon is a dead race. It's just not enough support. So we need to whip up our Sydney fighters to be proud of the people that get out there and do it because it's a big achievement getting to a marathon. Yeah, well, S- Sydney needs to buck up its, in lots of ways. And it's, that's a great call that you make. And uh, come on, Sydney. Um, uh, get out there and support your runners because it's, 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 it's a win-win, as I say. And, and yeah. everybody, we talk about exercise yeah. all the time, but people really need to yeah. do exercise, don't they? They absolutely do. And as you get older, it becomes more and more important to keep moving, keep moving. You don't have to move fast, but you have to keep moving. Good on you, Annie. We'll catch up later. Yeah, cause thanks, Mac. I really appreciate your support. Love reporting in on the runs. Good on you. See ya. G'day, Macca. It's Jim here over in East Timor. How are you, Jim? Very good. Just uh, thought I'd dial in because there's a few of us here who love your show. Um, we operate a small Australian contingent uh, supporting the offshore oil and gas industry here for the Timorese and the Australian um, combined, uh, flying helicopters to the Bayundan oil field. So, um, yeah, we love the show, and I thought I'd just dial in and say good day. Jimmy, it's great to talk to you. Now, you need to say the name of the, where those, uh, those uh, oil and gas rigs are, and that's uh, be off, uh, off uh, Timor-Leste somewhere. And, um, yeah, you've been over there for how long, Jim? Go. Yeah, that's right. Um, we support the Bayou Wundan, the Bayou Wundan oil field, which is shared between Australia and East Timor. And um, we come over here on a two-week on, two-week off cycle. We've got... Um, six helicopter pilots and four engineers and we employ 20 local staff and run a pretty tight ship over here with a very nice base in Dili in East Timor. We uh, we drive two beautiful brand new Airbus 175 helicopters which are wonderful machines, all brand new, squeaky clean out of Europe and um, we look after about oh, it'd be nearly 200 people who work offshore which is a mixture of Timorese and Australian staff on um, the two major facilities in the Bay of So the Airbus, uh, the Airbus helicopters sound like they carry uh, a fair few people, a, a, a big, uh, a big chopper, Jim. They are. They're a beautiful machine. They hold sixteen passengers, and they roll along at about one hundred and fifty, one hundred and sixty knots, which wow. is about oh, a little bit over an hour, and, an hour and a bit to get out to the oil field. We have to fly over the the very large mountains of East Timor from Delhi, which can be interesting in the wet season. But I'm standing here on the side of the runway, actually, on a beautiful Sunday morning with mm. totally blue skies, all the mountains are in the background, and the uh, birds are chirping, the sea's flat calm, and it's absolutely beautiful. And we, and we stream your show using your, your streaming service. So, yeah, there's a few of us who listen to it every Sunday. Oh, it's nice to know, Jim. Um, <laughs> again, when it's the only way I get to travel, really, is talking to people like you, Jimmy. Now, how long have you been flying, Jim? And how did that start? Well, I'm actually, I'm actually the base manager at the moment. I'm a grounded helicopter pilot. I had a, suffered a bad medical problem in March, but I uh, worked for a great company. I won't tell you who they are because it's probably not what we meant to do on the APC. But yeah, great <laughs> company, and they've supported me and they've kept me in a job and. I'm um, filling in as base manager over here, but I've been flying helicopters since my son was born, and he's 24 years old, an ex-military, 
Uh, there's a lot of us from different backgrounds, though. We've got uh, people who come from mustering pilots who end up flying offshore doing this sort of job. And, yeah, it's a really, really great thing to do, and it's a great experience. And East Timor is a lovely place. We have good relations with uh, all the Timorese. And, yeah, it's a really, really great thing that we do over here. So, Jim, you've been, how long have you been over there? I mean, you go two weeks on, two weeks off, but how long have you been doing this uh, particular gig? I've been working in the offshore sector out in this region, in the Timor Sea Gap, out of Truscott as well, and Broome and Darwin. So we've got like the big triangle there, and the oil field is in the whole of the Timor Sea. I've been doing that now for about oh, 13, 14 years. Wow. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, you obviously enjoy that, Jim. Is it uh, a bit trying to doing the two weeks on, two weeks off? It it can be, yeah. Sometimes the families suffer. So, yeah, it does take a special kind of family to put up with our nonsense when we're away and then when we come home. So, yeah, as uh, a lot of flying fly-out workers will attest to, it's, um, it's certainly a different lifestyle, but I personally enjoy it because I enjoy the time off and get up to lots of... Uh, nice adventures and travel myself on my time off. But, uh, yeah, everyone's different, of course, though. But, uh, no, it's, uh, generally it's not too bad, and we've got a really great, happy crew over here. Well, there you go, Jimmy. It's lovely to talk to you, mate. You should send us a photo um, of one of those Airbus helicopters or in uh, with you in it, of course, or uh, standing next to it or something like that, or, or the gang there, and we'll put it up on our Facebook, Jim. It, it's, uh, it's nice to talk to you. Great to listen. Thanks very much, Macca. I'll, I'll oblige you there for sure. Thanks very much. And uh, thanks to all the listeners and love your show. Good on you, mate. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.